Wow, quite the statement. Okay, campers, rise and shine. And don't forget your booties, because it's cold outside hey, Special there lane today. for the talent. <laughs> Happy Groundhog Day, everyone. Welcome to BYU Sports Love Nation, that movie. Presented by the BYU Store, official so outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Yes, it is Wednesday, February 2nd. I am Spencer Linton. He is one of Bill Murray's greatest fans, Jeremy. Is Gordon. this the most pointless holiday that exists? Groundhog's Day? Like, it's just like, like in Pennsylvania, that one state, like, in, is it a holiday? Is it a holiday? Well, we celebrate, I guess, celebrate is mention it. I, I don't know. It's, it's a great movie. Like, without the movie, this is pointless. By the way, is it Groundhog Day or Groundhog's Day? Is it Books of Mormon or Book of Mormon? <laughs> the great debate will not be had on today's show, but what will be is four star ESPN top 300 running back LJ Martin will join the program why he ultimately chose the Cougs, and how he kept it a secret that he actually signed in December. Pretty awesome. Is Taysom Hill moving west eventually? Your BYU-centric Groundhog Day repeatable day. And the former Cougar who made SportsCenter's top 10 in pickleball. But first, here are today's headlines. Beginning with a ball night, in the words of Jerem Jordan, BYU men's basketball hosting third place LMU tonight in Provo. Huge game. The Lions on a four-game win streak, including a victory at Gonzaga in the kennel. Pre-game on BYU Sports Nation game day at 8 p.m. Eastern. Tip-off at 9 p.m. Eastern, live on CBS Sports Network. Lions haven't won five in a row since 91. That's what's on the line tonight. Whoa, Bo Kimball era. But yeah, exactly. Almost, almost that. Mote Moonga signed with BYU football yesterday after the show. He's a defensive lineman from Provo, Utah. 6'3", 250, 10th High School. Three-star, uh, 44 tackles, five and a half sacks last year. Playing with Siale Acera as well. Mission first kid. Defensive line coach Sione Puha says Mote will be a stout player on the defensive front. Super excited to welcome Mote Moonga to the BYU football family by way of the Kingdom of Tonga, following the likes of Stephen Paya and Peter Tomwe-Penu. This guy comes from Tintview. Uh, we're super excited to have him. He's agile, very strong and physical up front. We know that as he grows into his body, he's, become, he's gonna become a very stout player for us on the defensive front. Let's go. Aaron Roderick, the offensive coordinator, says Sol J. Mayaba-Peters has moved to running back, but still may take snaps as a quarterback. Bol J rushed for 96 yards and threw for 47 yards in a New Mexico bowl game victory over SMU. Also had a touchdown in that game. I would argue he played running back in that and threw a few times uh, in the bowl game. It was awesome. He used his legs so effectively. Speaking of, Jaron Hall was clocked at a top speed of 18.3 miles per hour at the Senior Bowl. Hall, Freeland, and Nakua continue practice today and tomorrow ahead of the Senior Bowl game on Saturday. It's also a ball night for 11th-ranked BYU men's volleyball. Ball five and state one. night! Yeah, 5-1 and one on the season. The 11th-ranked Cougars at number 8 Ball State, 7 p.m. Eastern tonight, and then Saturday again at 3 Eastern, both matches on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, the origins of Boom Goes Boom Go the Dynamite come from Ball State, so I'm hoping that uh, is dropped tonight. And Ashley Hatch continues to make USA national team rosters, the latest being the She Believes Cup. First game is February 16th against Brazil in Orlando. Hopefully Ashley can make that World Cup roster. She's got a great shot. You always never had a player make a World Cup. Elite. Coming up this uh, July in New Zealand and Australia. Yeah, elite player. All caps in that regard. Whenever you say elite, you look at me like, you good? You good with it. <laughs> Just yeah, wait. She plays on the national Absolutely. team. Absolutely. Yeah. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. 
Victories before the actual games. And Jerem and I talked about this yesterday, but the general excitement about a BYU football schedule is very real, perhaps more real than ever, with the first Big 12 rundown. It's like a temple announcement for BYU football fans. <laughs> That's what the schedule is. <laughs> yeah! Jerem, as you look at the Big 12 schedule, you told me your favorite things yesterday, and we talked at length about that. Yes, but Julie Andrews. if you had to pick a victory before an actual victory, just in the construct of the schedule for BYU, what is it? Um, it's hosting a Power 5 team in November for the first time ever. BYU's had great Power 5 games in Provo. Never in November, and now BYU's going to have two with Iowa State and Oklahoma, which is pretty cool. In 2013, BYU went to Wisconsin and Notre Dame, um, but BYU's always had to be the team that went on the road. Now you actually have them at home, which is pretty exciting. Uh, point two there. Getting both Texas and Oklahoma is a win. We don't know when they're going to bounce. We don't know if BYU is going to get to play either of them, let alone both, in year one, and that's exciting. At Texas, I don't think BYU... Fans feel, based on uh, you know how uh, 2014 went, that that's an overwhelming game. Kansas has gone in there and won within the last years. BYU certainly did it. BYU competed in 2011, lost by one. There. That's a game BYU can go in and compete well and perhaps win. There's a weird thing for Texas fans with BYU. Absolutely, there should be. There should be, given how crazy 13 and 14 were. Those were blowout BYU wins. Of course, thanks to Taysom Hill. Uh, and then the balance I talked about. I, I just love the fact that you never, you never away from home too far or, or too much. There is a three of four on the road spell, but a bye breaks that up. So it's actually three in five weeks, which isn't crazy. Um, so those are three things that stick out in terms of wins outside of the games themselves. For me, the home schedule altogether is a massive win. Again, we're talking construct of the schedule, yeah. but the home schedule altogether because athletic director Tom Homo told us yesterday we made basically one main request, the nuance of got it. can you give us a Friday night game or even a Thursday night game on conference weekend? And the Big Love 12 it. accommodated that. Apparently no issue right there. And in comes Cincinnati. I love the matchup with Cincinnati. In fact, I said I would like Cincinnati to be BYU's first Big 12 game. It's not the very first, but it is the home opener. And we've done this before, Friday night with Cincinnati. Yes. We, we have done this uh, in 2015, I want to say. A Friday night under, I mean, just what we are assuming are going to be beautiful weather conditions in late September. Yeah, this will be amazing. It will feel electric. The Big 12 home opener. The yes. Yeah. On a yeah. Friday night at Lavelle Edwards Stadium against awesome. a very interesting team. Cincinnati is the one group of yep. five team that solved the college football playoff formula and made their way in Yep. It, two years ago. Yep. They had an all-time team, but they've maintained. They're a really, really good program. I, I'm intrigued by that matchup. I think that's super favorable under the Friday night lights. I like Texas Tech to break up what I think is the most critical stretch for BYU between October 14th and November 4th when you mm -hmm. have the three road games and a four-game stretch, but to your point, it creates some balance by throwing Texas Tech in there on October 21st. And then, yeah, the meaningful November games with Iowa State on November 11th and senior night against Oklahoma How awesome is on that? November 18th. That's great. Like, if you could have picked any team to play on senior night, like Texas probably would have been pick number one, but I'm thinking Oklahoma would have been pick number two there. That's just beautiful. And you look at the November schedule – 
to West Virginia. Shout out to my sister and brother-in-law who live in Peterstown, West Virginia. They will be at that game. Iowa State coming in. Uh, more on that uh, coming up with L.J. Martin. He's got a, uh, a friend that plays for Iowa State, a safety there. And then Oklahoma, of course. And at Oklahoma State, who sort of, once Texas and Oklahoma leave, they're sort of the uh, power broker at the table. They, they're one of the more powerful voices there. Mike Gundy is a tenured voice. That long mullet is also tenured on the back of his head. Like, that's a team that BYU sort of has to, like, okay, they probably are the best team in here. I know TCU just went to the playoff, but I'm talking, like, over the last decade or whatever in the Big 12. Oklahoma State's sort of the, the next big dog to sort of be like, all right, got to go through them quite a bit. Mike Gundy is a man, and I think he's 56 now. Yeah, um, you and I are more like Mike <laughs> Gundy when he said that than what he is now, yeah. Other victories as it pertains to just the schedule layout. And we put a ton of emphasis into November, and we should. And that is an yeah. unbelievable turnaround for BYU based on what they typically had in November home schedules. Hosting Idaho State or Southern Utah on senior day in cold, snowy pro Live on BYU TV. On that, goes, that goes away, by the way. No BYU TV games. That, that's over. That's over. That's done. It's a great run. But if it's giving that up to get Iowa State and Oklahoma yeah, no question. in a Power 5 conference. Freaking cares home. about doing the <laughs> SEU game. Yeah. Zero opponents play BYU off of a bye. That's a little That bit is an advantage. interesting one. Harrison Collier right? looking that one up. BYU's got TCU after their own bye. So th- that's interesting. Yeah. Hey, a, the team that went to the national title game. A favorable September. Kansas, not a world beater. Good team on the rise under Coach Leipold. Be 3-1 and one after four games and feeling good. Going That's into the, the home. home opener against Cincinnati at 3-1 and one would that be something. That you hope to win right? and be 4-1 and one in ranks. Yes. That's the, the hope. The timing of the bye is nice. Yep. Yeah, th- so there are a lot of good things. Yeah. Are there any losses? Real quick, any a single loss in the schedule? We talked about wins. Any like, losses? Like guaranteed? Like like whoa? No, 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 no. I'm talking as it pertains to the construct of the schedule. Oh, I don't think so, right? I think no, it's all. I, I was nitpicky. Good. I said I yeah. wanted Baylor because I like the rivalry going yeah. on there, and maybe the bye week a week. But back. not a loss, just no, a one. No, no absolutely. Yeah, I think generally no loss there. Okay, um, we're not talking about wins and loss of the schedule. Just to be clear. <laughs> don't be an idiot. Uh, topic two. Monday, former Cougar Travis Hance came on the show and said the following about BYU men's basketball. With what they have, what they're able to uh, performance-wise get out of this squad year after year or the squads they've had has been remarkable. So I think they've overachieved from, from where they're at. Sorry, what? Um, okay, it's, <laughs> I almost can't say it with a straight face. Uh, is BYU men's basketball overachieving, Spence? I picked BYU to go 19-12. and 12. And they are probably a game under in terms of what they're pacing for. They're probably pacing for 18 and 13 in the regular season. Yeah. So yeah. I can't back away from what I initially expected them to do. No, I. You can go I, down a game. I don't think BYU is overachieving. I do think that they are playing hard and they are in every game. They have been in games with Gonzaga and St. Mary's closer than I expected them to be in those individual games would still come up on the short end. And then they haven't competed well in games against Santa Clara and San Francisco and looked marginal against LMU in that road game. Of course, the loss to South Dakota is just an absolute head-scratcher. Oh, yeah, so that one's they've had their moments, and I expected it to be like this, where you're going to win some games, and you're like, how in the world did they win that game and play that well? Utah, 
Creighton come back from down what twenty five against Dayton was it or twenty two? I don't know something crazy, right? So you're like, whoa, how'd you do that? Anything against someone in Dayton or against Dayton? We just expect a big comeback. <laughs> yeah, just unless wild, it's right? Ole Miss twenty fifteen. Dayton should have known. Not over that Dayton one. Dayton should have known. Not over that one. And then again, the just huh performances against South Dakota and. They looked like they were sleepwalking on the road trip to the Bay Area, especially against San Francisco after the, the loss against Santa Clara. Yeah. And so this team is exactly what I thought they would be. And we let them off the hook. And maybe even a game underneath ultimately what I picked them to do. So that's not to say that the coaching staff is not just digging in deep to sure. film and working hard. Like I love the I love the staff. Absolutely. Yeah. But overachieving, no. If this, game, if this team was pacing for 20 or more wins, then I would say, yes, they're, they're overachieving. But right now, no. You've got to beat LMU. You've got to do something special here in the back half of conference play to overachieve. It's an interesting thought, but no, BYU's not overachieving. If you believe BYU's overachieving, then that means they underachieved in recruiting because then the players aren't good enough. Like, if the staff is summoning great, greater performances than the, sort of the roster is, which is what it feels like Travis is saying, then that means the roster isn't good enough. That means BYU didn't recruit well enough. And let's be honest, Rudy Williams, Jackson Robinson, Noah Waterman have shown some real flashes of brilliance. We just haven't had that sort of consistent clip from those three that we thought was going to be a contribution at a certain level. And any time you start a true freshman off a mission that isn't top – 35, like Colin Chandler. Like, we expect Colin to come in right away and be a guy. Dallin Hall's been uh, really, really good in a lot of games this yeah. year. They haven't been a couple games. He's had a lull. I, I talked about January he's probably going to have a little, little dip, and he did, right? But then he rebounded with an amazing performance versus St. Mary. So there, there's a couple of things coming into the season that we knew were issues. BYU had two bigs. That's it. Walking into the year, that was going to be a problem. Surprisingly, BYU's been pretty good rebounding, pretty good defensively in spite of that. So that's to the credit of the staff and the players. Absolutely. But certainly BYU's underachieved overall with a couple of numbers. Let's look at them. Right now, this is the second worst Ken Palm since 06 that BYU has right now. Um, Worst offensive rating since 05. 95 in net's not great. Um, But defensively, 28th is awesome. Uh, That national rank, not the metric number itself, but the national rank of 28th, is the lowest since 2012, or highest, you could argue. Yeah, the best. The best. The best, which is, which is good. There's good and there's bad, but to say BYU is overachieving, then you have to acknowledge the roster isn't good enough then. You can't have all the good things there. So, yes, BYU walked in with a roster that wasn't as talented as the last three years. And have they competed well and tried hard sure. and almost beat? Yes, but competing well and trying hard is not good enough at this school. This school goes to NIT or NCAA tournaments. Right now, BYU might make the NIT. They're on the NIT bubble. Which is a weird thing. I don't want to track NIT bubbles. I don't waste my time with that garbage, okay? (laughs) We got people that are actually doing that for us. Yes, other people will do that. I don't want to look it up. (laughs) No, I talk about tourneys or not, right? So certainly BYU tonight is a big game in that regard because you've got to beat LMU at home. LMU has been a really good team in the league, 16-7, and seven, winners of four in a row, took down Gonzaga, beat BYU. Like, they're in the spot BYU wants to be in, which is that three seed. There's no, I don't see any way BYU gets the three seed. I'm hoping BYU can somehow scramble and get yeah. the four seed. 
maybe the five. I feel like BYU is sliding into the six or seven at this point, and that just feels terrible. Seven I, I think games. BYU is certainly capable of better. Let's see it. But they are who they are at this point, and uh, they're going to put up a good fight, and hopefully they get a couple bounces here or there against the teams that aren't Gonzaga and St. Mary's, especially at home. Seven games remaining in West Coast Conference play. If this team wants to overachieve, you probably have to go six and one in the back seven. <laughs> Which is just that means you're winning in Moraga. You have or to Spokane. win either, yeah, on the road in I, at Gonzaga or at St. Mary's. I'm not worried about those two. I'm worried about the other five. Five and two would be remarkable. Then you finish with a winning conference record. Five and two is too much to ask. Even I think four and three is a realistic, ambitious, ask, in, interesting stuff. In yep. Travis's defense, BYU's coming off that St. Mary's game where they absolutely in the construct of the, the constant, like like is you look at just that individual game. They overachieved in that game. Yeah, with three guys down. The season but is again, a whole. Yeah. losers talk about margin. Winners talk about winning. All right. Hey, it was a one-point game. Yay! By the way, BYU, one of two teams that have lost to a ranked team by one twice. Oh, now that's BYU brutal. and Michigan State. How do you bounce back against LMU? Our question of the day centers on what we think is kind of a holiday, but not an actual holiday. <laughs> what, yeah, what, what is today? Ground, is Groundhog's Day, I believe. It's Groundhogs with an apostrophe S. <laughs> <laughs> or is it just Groundhog Day? Groundhog Day? <laughs> the movie is Groundhog Day. <laughs> What's the holiday, though? What okay? is today? Okay. So with that in mind, okay, <laughs> knowing the movie's plot is living the same day over and over just again. Just Groundhog Day. Just singular. Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. What is the one day, as a BYU fan, you would want to live over and over mm. and over and over again? Sam on Twitter says... BYU getting into the Big 12 and beating Utah. So, so Saturday, Saturday, September, September 11, 11th, 2021. 2021. Yeah. Okay. Hard to top That's how good. Day. Hard to top how good that felt day. and the optimism heading forward, says Sam. Continue to weigh in. Yeah. Hashtag BYUSN Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. As we mentioned, big game with LMU tonight. Men's hoops going on. 8 Eastern. We got you for BYU's First Nation game day. Watch as we have uh, pregame coverage. Spencer live from the Marriott Center. And we'll be here in studio on BYU TV and BYU Ready. Up next, a four-star running back out of Texas on his way to BYU. L.J. Martin representing El Paso was headed to Provo. Why did he pick BYU? This is BYU Sports Nation. In the words of Phil from Groundhog Day, don't drive angry. We are live in studio. Be with your day-to-day. BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. It's not every day we get to interview a four-star running back, and we're keeping him at four stars regardless of what these other rating services have done since he came to BYU. Yeah, they're inconvenient. He is four stars. This is one time where television really fails to capture the true excitement of a large squirrel predicting the weather, Spencer. (laughs) He didn't see a shadow, by the way. Oh, wait, he did see a shadow. He did, so six more weeks of uh, winter. But it's going to be summer when L.J. Martin shows up at Mm -hmm. BYU in June because this guy's a baller, ESPN top 300 guy, number 17 running back in the country. BYU got him. BYU got him. I talked to him earlier this morning about his decision to become a Cougar. LJ, we've seen some really nice uh, signee videos in the past, but uh, this is up there because you had all the BYU swag at the uh, uh, at the assembly with uh, your high school, and this is what it looked and sounded like. Brigham Young University.
It was like a grand reveal. Shout out to my uh, Uncle Connell there who provided some flags uh, for that event, yes, which sir. was awesome. But what was that moment like for you? Um, it was just surreal, you know. It was just, um, you know, I finally got to make the announcement that I'm finally a BYU Cougar, and it was just a blessing. Um, it was just really exciting for me and my friends, you know. they We've never really been part of something like this, so I just wanted to make sure I got them to be part of it and things like that. So it was just really fun for all of us, and we were all happy. You signed in December, but kept it a secret until yesterday. How'd you keep that a secret? Um, it was pretty hard. You know, you had people <laughs> asking, you know, like, where are you going and stuff like that. Sorry about the bell. I'm at school right now. But, you know, you just have people asking you and you're like, hey, you know, I would just had to, you know, wear a little bit of my uh, Stafford stuff that I already had. So, you know, and then once I was able to sign, I was all happy because, you know, I got my bag. I got my own a little... Uh, shirt right here in my hoodie so you know I was just really excited and you know it was just something I was able to do because it's not like I was trying to go around telling everyone you know like not bragging but it was just once it happened I was finally able to let everyone know. I'm talking to LJ Martin who can keep a secret uh, here on BYU Sports What's Station. That? Walk us through the timeline of originally committing to Texas Tech later at Stanford. BYU plays Stanford, beats Stanford. David Shaw resigns. Mm-hmm. Um, great coach at Stanford, of course. And then your life changes. Kind of walk us through the timeline there and then how BYU entered and, and how you figured out it, that BYU was the spot for you. Yeah. Um, sorry about the bell there again. Hey, but, all good, um, man. You know, You're in a high school. It's normal. <laughs> yes, sir. But, um, you know, we uh, – what happened? So I had started talking to Coach G from Stanford since, uh, I would say, last January. And, you know, we had been talking since then. And, you know, I had been talking to Texas Tech as well since then, because since McGuire got the job and, you know, they came down in April, they came down to the school and they kind of, um, you know, they had told me if I um, wasn't going to commit. And they were my number one at the time. But if I didn't commit, uh, my offer would have been pulled. So we went ahead and committed because we felt like that was was best at the time. And then I was still in close contact with Stanford. They offered later in May and then you know I finally got into school there and once I got into school I was like that's where I want to be I just took in the official visits as well so once I got into school there I was committed and I was set for that I was supposed to graduate early in the 10 Stanford in uh, June I mean not June but January for the early enrollees but once coach Shaw got resigned and Stuff like that. That was my last high school game. So I played my last high school game that weekend on the Saturday. And then he resigns later that Saturday. So it was just like a pretty bad Saturday, I would say. But it was actually a blessing in disguise because, um, you know, like a couple of days later, uh, BYU reaches out. Coach McDaniel, Coach Harvey, they reach out. They offer. You know, I have them in my house a little bit. Um, just talking to them. They seem like great people. And then uh, I went on the official, met some other recruits, like the running back room, Chris Burks, those guys. I just had a great time with them. And then, um, you know, I just ended up committing because I felt like that was the best place I needed to be. You know, Coach A-Rod, Coach Kalani, all those guys just felt like great people, genuine people, and I felt like I'd be taking really good care of there. That was a quick timeline. Uh, what was it about BYU mm-hmm. that made you feel like it was the best spot for you? Um, it was just relationships, I would say. Um, you know, Coach Kalani feels like a genuine dude. You know, I just really enjoyed my time there. Um, Coach Harvey, 
I mean, he's another great dude. They just felt really stand up. They're honest with me throughout the whole process. And then along with that, I had a great time with the other recruits like um, Ryder Burton, the guys his quarterback, uh, Sani, who just signed in my class. Um, you know, he, I had a great time up there with them and stuff like that. CLA, you know, they're just really cool dudes. And I was like, this is something I really want to be a part of. And that's what made me ultimately come to the decision. We're talking to LJ Martin out of El Paso, Texas, ESPN Top 300 recruit here on BYU Sports Nation. I'm looking at your stats, and they're just monster. Nearly 6,000 yards in uh, high school and 60 touchdowns. What was it about your high school experience that led to so much success, and how would you describe yourself as a player? What type of running back are you? Um, I would say I'm a versatile running back. I'm just trying to help my team win. You know, if it's coming out the backfields, you know, catching passes, running the ball, blocking, I'm just trying to do everything I can to win, you know, even if it's splitting out wide. But I would say what led to my high school success is just wanting to play the game. You know, I was um, I was a freshman on JV because I was uh, on the wrong field at the time. I accidentally went to the JV field instead of <laughs> freshman field. So they just stuck me up there, so that worked out nice. And then I had like five touchdowns one game, and they just ended up moving me up to varsity, and I did pretty well. I was a little bit of like a slot receiver. That's what I played. And then my sophomore year was COVID year, so, you know, it was just a awkward year. We played one game in like October. It was our first game. And our starting running back at the time, he had fumbled like the first snap. So then he put me in coach and, you know, he gave me basically the whole drive, and I ended up going down, scoring a touchdown. And after that, he pretty much just gave me a full control, you know, would give me the ball most of the time in the offense. And I just really appreciate that from him. Um, you know, it just felt like belief in me. And then after that, it was just hard work after that. And, yeah, that's really it. Just having Coach believe in me, just putting in that work, and it all worked out. So if you want to be somewhere, you just physically go there. You just show up on the JV yeah. field, and then they'll put you on the JV. Yes, I, I love that. That's great. Well, That's great. Yes, um, okay. You just don't pay attention. <laughs> or, yes, just, or just don't pay attention. Just luck into uh -huh. it. But you get, you had to perform, which is awesome. Okay, BYU is yes, going to the Big 12. You're a kid in Texas mm -hmm. here. BYU's got a couple of Texans on the team. Keanu Hill is one of the more notable ones. What role did BYU going to the Big 12 have in your decision, if at all? Um, you know, it had a little bit of a dis uh, a factor, but it really didn't, um, you know, because at the time you guys were independent and, uh, I mean, you guys were playing like basically a Power 5 schedule already, you know, you guys play Power 5 worthy opponents, like um, you guys had Notre Dame last year, you know, you had Stanford on there, I remember that one, and a couple others, but, you know, you guys already played Power 5 opponents, so it really was like you guys were a Power 5 school, just not in the conference name, if that makes sense. That's how but it felt it for a while, was, yeah. But yes, sir, it definitely was a plus just saying you're able to play Power 5 and, you know, a Big 12. But yeah, it really didn't have much of a factor, but yes, sir. Hey, BYU visiting Texas a couple of times this fall and uh, in the future is mm -hmm. certainly awesome for the family, which will be great. Um, BYU's just, had some real success in the NFL with running backs recently, most notably 2,000-yard rushers, Jamal Williams with the Lions, mm -hmm. Tyler Ogier with the Falcons. Uh, what role, if any, did that have on your recruitment, knowing that BYU's putting guys in the NFL and having success? Uh, that had a big role in my recruitment because it just shows, um, you know, they really utilize, utilize the position and, you know, they know how to develop their guys there. You know, I know Tyler Algier was a walk-on there, so it just shows that they know what they see in backs and you was just able to just extra confirmation of why I should go there. You know, they're going to have a great old line, you know, as they always do. And, 
um, you know, just if I could get back there behind those guys and they're going to develop me, help me make me the best player I am. So I just felt really comfortable making that decision. Okay, uh, Genevieve and John are your parents. Both played uh, sports in college, softball and basketball. Who, who, is that where you get all the athleticism? Is it more mom or dad? Um, we always go back and forth about this, but I would say it's more dad. He was a little bit, we say he's a little bit better. He played with uh, AAU basketball with like Chauncey Billups and Tony Gonzalez, those guys. Mm. So, yeah, he knows a little bit of basketball. So that's where I grew up. Most of my time, I didn't really take football serious until my sophomore going to junior year. Uh, it was more just basketball, not really football. I would go out of town all the time for basketball. I actually ended up playing LeBron's son, which was pretty cool. And, you know, LeBron was at the game, so that was awesome for me. So, yes, sir. And uh, one of the BYU receivers from Sierra Canyon as well, JoJo Phillips, who was in the mm -hmm. signing class. So, was he on Bronny's same team at the same time, or was it a different, like, AAU team? No, sir. It was an AAU team, so gotcha. I was in the center of the grade at the time. So, yes, sir. It was actually 2018 when he made that, like, crazy finals run where he just they just got rid of Kyrie, I believe, and then all that stuff happened, and he was just dominating. So, And he's my favorite player of all time. Like, And I, I defend the guy with my whole life. Like, <laughs> if I ever hear anyone talk about LeBron, you know, I always got to get in the conversation. But, yeah, he's yeah. just my favorite player. Hey, it was really awesome. Hey, and JoJo can probably hook you up, right? Uh, as incoming mm -hmm. freshman, you can get connected there, which is which is pretty fun. Yes, sir. Talking to LJ uh -huh. Martin here on BYU Sports Nation. What what have the coaches talked to you uh, about, and what are you hoping for in terms of your freshman season uh, at BYU this fall? Um, they just talked about, you know, just maybe I'm a guy who has a versatile skill set, and, you know, they feel like I could come in and contribute as a freshman. And, you know, it just, I mean, of course, that's great to hear, but I'm just really focused on helping the team win. You know, if that's, you know, going and making a couple blocks for the backs behind me and, you know, they score touchdowns, that's great. If it's just a couple high fives on the sideline, you know, as long as I'm helping the team contribute, that's all that really matters. I know I'm going to have to compete to get my uh, playing time, but that's what I'm here for, you know. So, yes, sir. Schedule just came out for BYU this week. Uh, what sticks out in your mind about it? Um, I like how, uh, I mean, it's really just, you know, I like the schedule. It's a tough schedule, but I think we'll be able to do well. Um, you know, I feel like we've got some guys that are really well. I saw Aiden Robbins had, it was a transfer and uh, I feel like he's a really good player. I've watched a couple of his things cause I mean, that's who I'm going to be in the room with. And I feel like the rest of the running back room will be able to do well. And also, I like uh, Iowa State because I have a friend there who plays safety. So I really want to play against him, which would be pretty cool. I'm looking forward to an encounter in the box between you and your friend. What's his name at Iowa State? So Jeremiah Cooper. He's a, he's going to be a sophomore safety out there. So, yes, sir. Well, we're super excited to have you at BYU, LJ. It's going to be awesome, man. Mm -hmm. And uh, before we finish, uh, go ahead and shout out your favorite teacher in your favorite class at your high school there. Um, I'm going to say my favorite teacher has to be Mr. Medina in uh, stats. You know, he's a great dude. Just, you know, he's always into football. Um, you know, he's just a great dude and I really love him and he loves the students. So, I mean, I can't say much greater things about him. Awesome. Well, enjoy uh, class and we'll see here, uh, see you, I assume in uh, June thereabouts. Yes, sir. I'll see you guys sometime in June. Awesome. Yes, sir. LJ, thanks for the time. Yes, sir. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. LJ Martin, what a sharp young man. Yeah, he's, he's got a good head on him, right? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Does. So excited. He, he 
figures into competing for RB2, I think. Uh, Aiden Robbins comes in right away, 1,000-yard rusher. He's, he's RB1. RB2 is going to be a fun competition with Hinkley Ropati and Miles Davis. I haven't heard officially whether Jackson McChesney is going to keep playing. He's had a ton of injuries. I'd love to see him still play, really talented guy. But um, And there's some others in the room, of course, but those are kind of the main guys for RB2. Hey, if you're a four-star guy, you're going to compete for some playing time. And Four stars start at BYU. Yeah, typically that is the case. Yeah, sometimes this freshman takes a sec, right? But uh, yeah, big time get. Number 17 of the country, running back. Let's go. Listen to Gregor Bell, Mark Durant, Jason Shepard tonight. Cougar Sos LMU. Cougar pregame live starting at 8 Eastern on BYU Radio. Up next is the ne- or is the next rather great Cosmo and the Cougarettes viral moment. Going to get some new celebrity backup. Some breaking news from TMZ. This is BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This is Sports Nation. Follow us on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. (laughs) He is Jerem. I am Spencer. Now we whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marist, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Now that Sean Payton is the head coach of the Denver Broncos, how long until Taysom follows? I give it two seasons, which I think is the amount of time left on Taysom Hill's current contract. He's through 25. Yep. So two more years. Two more years. Yeah. And then he's going to be in Denver. Agreed. <laughs> Jay Drew reports that Kelly Papinga says BYU punter Ryan Rico will return next season. Jerem, if he does indeed return, is he now once again the best player at his position on this team next season? Ryan uh, took a little bit of a step back last year, okay. but uh, Ryan can certainly put himself in an NFL position if he performs up to snuff this year. Great player. Is that a yes? I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of transfers. I got to think. Exactly. About. So many transfers. Hard yeah, not to hey, lean towards like, like Aiden Robbins or Keaton. Johnny Linehan's freaking out. Watching punting highlights right now on uh, BYU. Yeah. Okay, the big story today, though, that we buried until 38 minutes in. The rapper Young Boy Never Broke Again tells Billboard magazine he's planning on being baptized, remember the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Wow. Uh, to which Kyle Van Noy uh, tweets, Brother Young Boy, let me know if you need a witness. I got you. <laughs> Will Young Boy Never Broke Again? Be performing with Cosmo and the Cougarettes at halftime next season. We have to make this happen. Like, Ao and Tail was just a warm-up to this. To has this? to happen. Let's go. Like, he's got to be the next celebrity BYU fan. TJ Frenette, step aside. Kyle Van Noy's doing his part to bring him into the BYU fandom fold. we got to get Fred Warner involved. James the, the Mormon, NFL we guys. just keep going up. Let's just let's get him in. Let's get him involved. I'm not sure we can go much higher. It's great. You know what's really cool about this? In all seriousness, he stated, and this came from an article that Jason Shepard sent to me, that he's like, I'm not going to do the whole violent lyrics thing anymore. Lyrics, yeah. I don't. I I'm not proud of that. Hey, I don't want any more of it. When you feel something, you change your behavior. You know? Really cool. We all need to feel that in certain ways in our lives. That's pretty cool. I love that. Brother, young boy. That's something being the Holy Ghost. We got you. We got you. Yeah. Love you on BYU Sports Nation. Let's go. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. Up next, Jerem, BYU big man Noah Waterman's family has had a huge influence on who he is. That story and more included in our Deep Blue feature next. This is BYU Sports Nation. 
This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B. That young man on your screen, Noah Waterman's goals revolve around his family, a unit that has fluctuated in his life but ultimately is at the center of who he is and what he is. This is Deep Blue featuring Noah Waterman. We were a large, big, happy family that we chose a lifestyle where my husband worked and I stayed home and took care of the kids and homeschooled the babies. I'm one of nine, I'm the baby boy, got a little sister, and then everybody else is older than me. So growing up, it wasn't always like the most stable atmosphere for us, I guess. My dad left when I was around like eight. After that, didn't have a father figure, so I just looked up to my brothers a lot. For my older brothers and siblings, like those were our role models growing up, and they invested their times into drugs and, you know, living like more of a party lifestyle, which we had family troubles at home, so it's understandable not, you know, talking bad about anybody. But those are the people that we looked up to. Things were super tight for us. Our family was extremely poor. And my mom had to figure out how to get things that we needed. We were at a point where we didn't have any toilet paper. And one day the youth group was having a Christmas party where they had rolls and rolls of toilet paper that they're just pulling off for this fun little game and throwing it all over the gym. And me, being the resourceful single mom, was like, ah, pick those up and put them in a bag because we're taking them home, we're going to use them, we're not wasting that toilet paper. So I had to bag it up in, in trash bags and bring it out to the car so we could have toilet paper at the house. If we wanted something, we had to go out and work for it. We were doing paper routes when we were young, you know, probably younger than 12. He must have been eight, nine at the time when we were doing those. Shopping guide routes, working for neighbors, uh, working landscaping jobs. You know, helping out wherever we could to make some cash under the table. Anything they could do to provide for the family, but provide for the things that they wanted. So if they wanted basketball shoes, that meant they had to go find some place to work to get the money to buy basketball shoes. But my mom, she did the best she could, took care of all of us, seen all the things she had to go through. We had to go through a lot, but she had to go through more and just keep a smile on her face, find a way to get us food and clothes and things like that, no matter what. She's the strongest woman I know, so. I think that he knew that he had a mom that was his biggest cheerleader and always had his back no matter what. And, you know, there's this little saying that goes, just because they breathe. And that's how I want to love my kids. Whether Noah does great, amazing things that the world applauds, or whether Noah comes back to Reed Road and hangs out with us, you know, just because he breathes, I'm desperately in love with him and, and will always be his biggest cheerleader. So Ben, he's a couple years older than me. And my whole life, he's the one that got me playing basketball. Growing up, Noah really didn't play basketball. I think he was about in eighth grade when he became interested. Like, I didn't even really know what basketball was because we didn't have TV or anything like that. So he figured that out, and he bought some basketballs, and he'd just be on the road for hours just dribbling. And I'd always look out the window and be like, dang, like, he's having so much fun. I want to do this. We invested our time into basketball instead of like living that party lifestyle, you know, and doing things that maybe weren't healthy choices. 
And I think that we really bonded together over that, and it became more of an addiction. Like, there's times that, you know, we'd be driving to Binghamton to go visit my brother, and it's only two and a half hours away, and we'd have to stop halfway through the trip to go play ball because, you know, had that knack inside you, and you just you know, you had to do it, you know? I would do my school, and then around, like, one-ish, we would just play basketball until, like, seven, eight. Like, that's, that's all we did. Come in, eat a little food go back out until 10 o'clock and then go to sleep and just repeat. We built a court in the backyard that we used to play at. And then in the wintertime when it got too cold, we'd either do ball handling drills in the basement for hours or we'd go into the barn, we'd put a little hoop in there and the roof was low, so you had to shoot low. But, you know, and we found a place to play regardless, we had to. It wasn't until Noel was a senior when coaches and other people began approaching me saying, hey, I think this kid could go to college and play some ball. Um, that was kind of out of my zone, so I wasn't even looking at that. I played at Niagara for one year, um, then I transferred, went to Detroit for two. So after he did that, I feel like he just kept on escalating himself and saying, all right, well, I made it here, but I want to make it to a higher level. When I got my offers from Bonnie's, my mom really wanted me to stay there and my family just because my mom has never been to one of my college games before. And that's one thing I've always wanted her to, to do is come to see one of my games because she's one of my role models. And she was like, hey, I'll be able to come to the games finally. It's close by, like, I think you should go there. But I couldn't sleep. After I committed, I couldn't sleep for like a week. I decided not to go there. Um, but overall, they really supported me, and they told me, like, you got to do what's best for you and what's best for your career. When he got the offer from BYU, you can definitely tell that he was hyped. You know, he didn't want to show it all the way because, like I said, he still thought he was at that level. But once he actually got it, that's when he could think, all right, I'm at that level. <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't a struggle for him to say, this is where I want to go. It was a struggle for him to say, this is a long way from home. So I think Noah counted the cost and realized that if his goal is to do as well as he can at basketball so that he can help his family and others, then he had to make the stop. We are super excited to have Noah Waterman a part of BYU basketball. Every single day, I actually really, really enjoy seeing his six foot ten frame, actually 6'11", he corrects me every time, with a big smile on his face. You know, he, he can really shoot the ball, he's got a high IQ, he can really pass the ball, good decision maker. He was kind of a no-brainer from his skill set standpoint and his skill size combination. So he really kind of plugged the perfect hole for us and, and we're fortunate to have him. crazy <laughs> that I am here. As you know, I've had uh, 11 head injuries in four years, which has completely disabled me. I don't go anywhere without a cane and headphones and glasses and all that. But you can see today, I am here to support you and bless you because it means everything to me. This is such a joy for me. I haven't seen one of your games ever in person. Yeah. And wow, I'm so happy. I know. I'm glad. 
you guys are here. You remember growing up, we played on the freaking blacktop in front of the little country road, you know, and now this has been the dream the whole time. You know I mean? We always talked about making like this and now you made it, bro. You know what I mean? To this level, you can't get complacent with that mindset at the same time either, you know? Like, you know you're a dog and you can make it out, you know? And you know you can be successful with this if you want to be. Yeah. You just got to believe that, prove it to yourself and prove it to everyone else, but more importantly, yourself, you know? Yeah. Like, that's the biggest thing, bro. Yeah. Freaking take it in. Like, this <laughs> is your dream, yeah, you know what I mean? It's surreal, for real. Yeah. Having, like, 19,000 people at your game. Oh, well, you know, Noe, I personally am super proud of you. You know your family is super proud of you. We got your back. We're your biggest cheerleaders, and you we're your biggest support. Family is everything, just like you always say, with that tattoo on your arm. And that's why we came out here today, to support you and bless you and love you and just show up. You know what? No matter what you do in the world, I'm proud of you. No matter what you do. Yeah. But I'm really proud to be sitting here next to you, watching you live out your dream and taking steps to go forward. I'm super proud of that. I love you. Love you too, man. <laughs> so my biggest highlight is definitely committing to play Division One basketball. And the reason why is because I'm a step closer to becoming a professional athlete and taking care of my family because that's the main goal. Wow, what a story and uh, high emotions, understanding with his mom making her way out to watch him play a college basketball game in the Marriott Center. That was a couple weeks ago against Pepperdine. Uh, cool to, to bring mom and brother out and uh, it's a story about the love of a mother, right? Um, and the power that a single mom can have. My mom was a single mom for a couple years. I, I really appreciate uh, what my mom did and uh, I know you do with your mother, of course, as well. And, and Noah's come from a really hard background. Uh, dad left fam at, at eight. He's got a bunch of siblings. Obviously, uh, you know, there was some drugs in there and he's had to uh, overcome that to get to this point. And uh, you never know what someone's going through or has gone through and maybe why someone is the way they are, right? Um, and then you understand and you go, okay, I understand you better. Mm. Uh, I see you and uh, you can sort of uh, account for that and understand that a little bit better going into this. And, uh, of course, these pieces humanize these athletes. Uh, Noah being here is quite the accomplishment uh, from where he's yeah, from. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, just an incredible run yeah. to get to this point at BYU. And I know he's frustrated with how things have been going with his play as of late. Um, I'm excited to watch him turn it around. Still figuring it out to some degree, right? And uh, he's going to be a piece in the Big 12 for BYU that uh, can knock down threes at 6'11". Let's go. Okay, if you want to see all the Deep Blue episodes or watch them again, uh, you can catch game shows, all of it's on demand on BYUSN.com and the free BYU TV app. Still on the way. Can I make it two wins in a row? Wait, you won on Monday? I did. <laughs> we set our BYUSN basketball fantasy lineups next. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU Radio app. Subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast as well. That was a great night yes, that uh, we mentioned as a potential option for Groundhog oh, Day. It's beautiful. You want to live it 33,000 times? No, I don't want to live any day 33,000 <laughs> times. No, Sorry, 33 years, 12,000 no, times. No matter how good it is, not 33 years. <laughs> no, nothing. Please. Okay, I'm coming off a win in fantasy basketball for the, first, for the first time all season. Hey, hey, the streak is over. <laughs> now we set our fantasy basketball lineups, and Jerem is looking to regain control after the one-week setback. Have I won the season already, by the way? Because I'm like 7-1. and one. There's not that many weeks left, right? 
Aren't there like three weeks left in the regular season? I don't. I don't, I don't know. It depends on how. Like two weeks ago. It depends on how long the BYU men's and women's basketball team is playing the postseason. It's going to be that if long. If they get to uh, the it's going to be that long. Hopefully it's long, but uh, let's be honest. Okay, my transaction will be uh, the opponent I pick up, which will be Cam Shelton of LMU. No other player in the WCC averages 18 or more points and four or more assists. Oh, by the way, he averages almost six rebounds a game. And he's second in steals at two. It's a tremendous pickup. So I got Rudy Williams, Foose, Lauren Gusson, Kaylee Smila, and Cam Shelton. Yeah, I took Cam Shelton last time, and I think he put together his lowest parbs performance of the season, which, whatever. BYU still didn't beat him! I know. 64-59. Tough loss there at LMU. All right, I'm staying with all of my current BYU players. No moves there. Spencer Johnson, Gideon George, Nani Falate, who was amazing last week, and Ariel Mackey-Williams. I'm picking up the mullet, Jerem. I'm going with Kelly Leopepe. His favorite player is Charles Barkley. That's why he wears 34. Makes perfect sense. It's awesome. Our Elite Voice of the Day presented by PAX. Healthcare Elevated answering, what's the one day as a BYU fan you want to live over and over and over again? It's Groundhog Day. Will Rushing on Twitter says, when Brigham Young said, this is the place. Nice. Either that or Spencer's gritty. (laughs) (laughs) You want to witness that for 33 years every day? Stop it. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Yeah, let's give it to uh, former tennis player Tyler Long making SportsCenter's top 10 this week in pickleball, which is pretty awesome. Great play to get on the top 10. Absolutely. Between the legs. It results in a point. All right, our thanks to today's guest, LJ Martin. Sorry, Dennis, we ran out of time, man. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to just BYU basketball in general. Let's give them all the karma they can possibly take tonight. Go Cougs. See you for the game. Steve Trumbull.